Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Woman podcast, where I reveal the power of your heart to create leadership impact and cultivate confidence for the life you want. I'm your host, Glyn Bailey, and as a corporate finance leader, executive coach, entrepreneur, and author, I know all too well the challenges that prevent female leaders from claiming their seat at the table. In this podcast, I talk all things to do with self-leadership, sharing stories, insights, and guidance on how to ultimately get out of your own way to live a life in alignment with who you are. When you begin to see the impact that you can have, no matter where you are starting on your journey, life becomes one huge adventure. I'm so excited that you are sharing your journey to Unstoppable with me. So let's dive right in. Hello and welcome to episode 42. Cannot wait to get into this episode. I have the most beautiful guest on this show, Bryony Benjamin, this week. She is a keynote speaker, author and storyteller whose viral videos have been viewed by more than 200 million sets of eyeballs. Her own story went global when she documented her own journey from cancer diagnosis to recovery. In the video, you only get one life. This then led to her authoring a book called Life is Tough, But So Are You, and a passionate drive to help individuals face the toughest of time in their lives with more ease and less fear. I had the pleasure of meeting Bryony in person at a retreat in June. She's part of the same mastermind group that I am, Tina Towers, her empire builders. And when you're surrounded by women who are focused and driven on making a difference in the world. You can't help but be uplifted. Bryony is just gorgeous inside and out. And the conversation in this podcast really allowed me to see what an inspirational human she is, navigating that cancer journey, documenting the whole process, and now focusing on helping others navigate their tough times with more ease and less fear. Wise words from a beautiful, wise woman, an inspirational, unstoppable woman. I hope you enjoy. Let's begin. Hello and welcome, Bryony, to the Unstoppable Woman podcast. So excited to have you here with me today. Thank you for having me. It's so lovely to be here. Oh, Bryony, I have read your book and absolutely loved every element of it. I feel like I need to go back and read it again and just take out some more more wisdom. But before we get into talking about your book in detail, I'd love you to just share a little bit about you and your journey so far so that the listeners have an opportunity to get to know you in your own words. Yeah, well, I, you know, I suppose I was... uh, living sort of the dream life, living, uh, working at Mamma Mia as the head of video content. It was a super fun job working with a beautiful team of women. Uh, I was loving life. You know, I was going 150 miles an hour, um, playing a lot of sport and had a jam-packed social life. But I was just feeling really rotten and um, sick over about a 12 to 18-month period. And, you know, I'd started this new job at Mamma Mia. So I kept going back to the doctor over this time and they just kept telling me, you know, you're probably just stressed and it's the overwhelm of the job. Just, you know, take it easy, rest more. Um, And I just, no matter what I did, never seemed to feel better. So it was actually my very uh, wonderful parents were on my case and they insisted I go and get uh, another, another opinion and another opinion and that I go and see a specialist. So I did go and do that. And so, yeah, basically a long story short, um, 
I went and saw a hematologist, which is a blood specialist. Yeah. She said, yep, we're going to do a biopsy and a few tests and come back in a week and get the results. And I did, you know, thought, well, if the news was bad, they'd call you, right? They'd let you know. <laughs> so yeah. I, I had sort of not a, not a worry in the world. I came back in a week later to get the results and my mum insisted on flying down from the Gold Coast to Sydney to be with me, even though I said, mum, I'm really busy. I'm racing straight to work that day. I've got too mm-hmm. much on. Um, and I sat down in that appointment and she just said, I'm so sorry, the results are back. And it is Hodgkin's lymphoma, like your parents were worried about. And basically that means we're just going to have to clear your next six months and start you on a course of chemotherapy as quickly as we can. Uh, And it was just one of those surreal moments of life that you never think is going to happen to you. You know, that always feels like someone else's story or something that happens in as a plot twist in movies, you know. And there I was. Um, Mum just held my hand and we looked at each other and just thought, holy hell, this was not on the to-do list today. So... Oh my you know, yeah, a, a really, a really surreal sucker punch moment of life that really does make you stop in your tracks and question everything. So. Yeah, and what year was that, Brownie? So this was about three and a half years ago. Oh, yeah, it was just before Christmas in 2017. Oh. So you know, not not a great Christmas present, <laughs> that's for sure. But you know, I think the the fabulous advice that my specialist gave me then and there in that first appointment when she as she could see my mind probably racing away is she said I don't want you to google anything we're not going to talk about treatment yet all I want you to do is just focus on the next three steps and that's getting a blood test getting your heart and lungs tested and getting you into the IVF clinic tomorrow and that's all we're going to think about and we're just going to get through those things and then we'll think about the next lot And it was such good advice, you know, and it's something that I carried right throughout treatment. And I still come back to now if I'm having a day that's really flustering me. You know, we all have those days where we just get a bit overwhelmed uh, just to come back to the simple, what can I do right now? What's in my control? And even if that's just one simple thing that I can do now. Yeah, absolutely. And gosh, what a horrendous day to have experience and to get the news, like you said, that you don't expect. With that diagnosis and then the journey that you've embarked on since to overcoming your cancer, you mentioned those steps where they sort of focus on the immediate. How do you stay sane during that period? You're focusing on what's coming next. It's easy to let your mind go down this dark spirally path as to what the worst case scenario could be. What do you think was the driving force to keep you focused on coming through this and and, and fighting because you you documented your journey right the way through it didn't you yeah I did so with the encouragement of some friends on that very first day I started to video log essentially and and capture the journey I was a bit reluctant to do that to be honest and a friend just encouraged me and said I really think you should do it and just just film it and you don't have to do anything with it but then you've got the option whereas if you can't go back in time and capture those moments. And I was was so grateful for that advice and so grateful that I did it because it is really hard to describe to people what going through an experience like that is. But I think to be able to show it and put it together and tell it in a quick and compelling way, it's been really powerful part of me being able to share my story. Uh, But the amount of other people that I've had reach out, you know, that have been through cancer, that are going through cancer, that have said, oh, thank you, that really just helped me uh, to articulate to others what I've been through 
uh, or even people that haven't been through cancer, but that have be, just been through other challenges that have gone, oh, thank you. That was such a good reminder of what matters and what's important in life. So that, that's been a really great thing. And I think it was really quite cathartic and therapeutic as well to, to get it out of my mind and to put it down on video. I also became really religious about journaling through that time. I did a book called The Artist's Way. I don't, have you ever done Oh, it? yes. Gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous book. Yes. Oh. I thought it would be up your alley. Um, but I think that process of just journaling and uh, video logging was really helpful because I write about in the book as well about just the power of speaking something out, Mm. you know, just getting it out of your head because things are so enormous in our head sometimes. And once they're spoken out loud, they can almost seem kind of trivial or or just not as daunting as they were. But if you don't feel you've got someone you feel safe doing that with, you know, I talk in the book about assembling your A-team, so thinking really carefully about the kind of energy you want around you, and it's actually okay to, to, you know, not spend time with people that are not making you feel good and supported during that time. But also, you know, in your team, that might mean a psychologist or a counsellor, you know, and... But, but but if if not and if you don't feel ready to do that, I think journaling and video logging can be a really powerful tool as well. So I think they were really helpful things. I think a girlfriend gave me some really good advice and on that first day she just said, you know, some things don't have to be understood, just accepted. Oh. And so finding that acceptance mm. piece, that was huge for me. And I think, you know, I learned recently, Glenn, that when they're training fighter pilots, one of the first things they they teach them about, if something goes wrong in the air, you have to snap straight into accepting what's happening and dealing with the situation because every millisecond you spend going, what did I do? Is it my fault? Who's stuffed up? You know, you're closer to not getting through that that incident. And it's sort of an extreme analogy, but I think it's quite apt in that oh. idea that you just got to go mode, you know? Absolutely. And just so powerful in everyday context. So so how much of our time do we spend ruminating over the things that don't serve us? Or, you know, here's a conversation I could have had differently, or here's a, a piece of work that I could have done better. And instead of ruminating over the past or a heartbreak that you're trying to overcome, and it's this sense of actually, if I can just accept this present moment and this current reality, it doesn't mean I have to stay in this space but I can create something new from a point of just surrendering my resistance to this environment right now and I think that's incredibly powerful and I love what you've just said about taking the time to speak speak it out and take the energy and the power from what's being held into your body but just putting it out into the world to release it it's almost like a release of tension a release of uh, you know where you might what's going on and an opportunity just to practice vocalizing and get getting that out and I think in in any challenge and especially cancer just that opportunity to have an understanding of what your thoughts are and processing them verbally or or through the written language is just such an incredibly cathartic and healing way to to navigate I I find that just now with trying to make sense of my own week, you know, when you're journaling at the end of the week of what's worked, what hasn't, but just to be able to process it through writing is just such a powerful, powerful medium. Oh, it so is. It so is. It's amazing how much it takes the power of it away. I think particularly at the very beginning of a crisis where, you know, the grief is just sort of hitting you in waves and, you know, be that heartache, be that, you know, loneliness, whatever it is. And and I think early on in my, once I'd accepted it, I was then sort of kicked into this kind of, okay, I'm just going to 
get an A triple plus in cancer. You know, I'm going to be so positive. I'm going to smash this. I'm going to be the world's most positive cancer patient. And actually seeing a psychologist really helped me understand in that early period that I didn't have to like any of this actually. And I didn't need to look for silver linings. You know, she actually suggested I could hate the whole thing if I wanted to, which for me felt like that would be hard and that would create too much resistance in my body. But, yeah, with that acceptance, then the next step I think is really to actually acknowledge and make space for the thing. So, you know, and that can be physical or emotional pain. So uh, I am dealing with chronic fatigue after cancer and I used to, you know, when the symptoms set on, which can be nausea, neck ache, you know, headache, I would just get so angry and I'd sort of tense up and feel like, oh, my gosh, haven't I been through enough? Can't I just get back to my life now? I'm so over feeling like this. And I've found that when I do that, it actually makes the symptoms worse. It makes me feel worse. It makes the pain worse. And so now what I do is actually I'll just acknowledge it. And I I write in the book about you can actually just give it a name if you want. I call mine Horace (laughs) because I don't know anyone called Horace. And I just say, hi, Horace, are you back? We hung out all day yesterday. Okay, no worries. In you come, sit down, let's hang out. Mm. And I think just making that space for it has been really powerful for me because it's there whether you acknowledge it or not, right? Yeah. Um, and if you suppress things and try and put them to the side, they inevitably kind of bubble up and affect you in other ways. So, Definitely. yeah, that, that's a, just another tool I found helpful for just not letting things exhaust you. So much. I think that's that's incredible because yeah, when you do hold things inside, it's kind of like the equivalent of holding a beach ball underwater, and at some point, it's going to it's going to come to the service, and you just think, oh my god, what? Why? Why would we put so much energy to try and keep so much down? energy? Yeah, like you said, so much energy, and that's the whole idea, I suppose. It just can't exhaust you in quite the same way. You know, and then and then it's balancing that, isn't it, with then because for me that felt very heavy to say, oh, you can hate the whole thing if you mm. want. And I thought that I think that's going to make it a lot harder for me to get through yeah. this. You know, and we know as humans, right, we do tend towards the negative anyway. 60 to 70% of our emotions, our thought processes are negative. It's a survival instinct to keep us safe. Yes. But I made a very conscious decision early on that if I was going to go through this anyway, how could I do this as lightly as possible? with as much joy as possible. And, you know, it sounds, it can sound a bit grim, but I thought if this is my last few months on earth, I want to live this well, you know, and I want to live it with people that I love and I want them to have fond memories of me. I don't want to be this little storm cloud trudging around. Mm -hmm. And I suppose too, there was a fear about scaring people away from me as well. So in some ways I probably held things closer to me than maybe was helpful I'm not sure I'm still processing that part of it but you know there there is a there is a nervousness around not wanting to be such a dark little thundercloud that you're going to scare people away Um, I think that's something that so many of us humans worry about is what do people think right and whether it's who, who am I being for for others how you know who do they need me to be in what way is my energy influencing someone else and therefore how can I protect them from hurt and harm by being a certain way but what I think I've certainly found and I, and reading your book just really helped sort of crystallize some of that as well just this sense of ultimately the journey that we're seeking is alignment with ourselves and if we can love ourselves and show compassion to ourselves then the right people will 
be around you because they're accepting of who you are as you need to be, whether that's grief stricken, angry, you know, still processing your emotions or whether that's happy and light. And those that are are in your inner circle will will support that. And those, like you said, with the 80 outside the 18 don't need to. And, you know, and, and often I think we do take responsibility for so many of other people's feelings rather than actually just taking responsibility and owning all, all of your own. And there's one thing that you'd written in your, uh, well, loads of things in your book, but one of the, the ones that resonated was around putting a ring on it. And I love that concept. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I don't mean get engaged as my publisher first thought when she saw that chapter. She's like, I think we should change the title. I was like, oh, I really like it because it's playful. But the idea of putting the ring on it is, is this, this concept of the ring theory. And I just thought I hadn't come across this before. Someone sent it to me when I was in treatment and I just thought, oh my gosh, every human just needs to know this. So the, the idea being that you as the person going through the crisis are bang in the center of the circle and you draw a ring around them. And everyone in that circle is sort of your most immediate core people, your partner, your immediate family, maybe your best friend. And then you draw another ring around that. And that's people that are less close, but, you know, might be friends, your, your extended network, maybe some colleagues, and then another ring. And that's everyone else, you know, yeah. your barista Ted and, you know, Sheila from Pilates and whoever it might be. And the idea is there's only really one rule and it is that you give comfort inwards and you dump outwards. So you can you can dump and have a whinge and do that to anyone so long as they're in a bigger ring than you. And otherwise your, your job is just to provide comfort in. So for example, no one would, you should never say to someone who's going through cancer or a crisis, oh gosh, I'm just so worried about you. You're just not much fun to be around right now and I'm worried you might die. But you could say that to someone that's not as close to them or that's in an outer circle so that you could you know, you could talk that through and, and find some way to speak that out loud. But, you know, it's interesting how it's such a simple idea, but one that so many people don't actually get right because they just forget or, you know, they might, you know, they, they just need to talk it out so they dump it on you. And it's like, oh, sorry, I'm just dealing with so much right now. I can't, yeah. I can't also process your emotion. I need you to just comfort right now. Definitely. Yeah. And it just it resonates with, oh, you're just giving yourself permission to take care of you and then recognizing that the people that you need around you are there as your support system and structure to do that. But also knowing that if they needed the support, they needed to speak out their processing, that it wasn't on you to have to take care of, but they've got an outside network to do that. But it just crystallized, oh, this is where I go for, for that. It's, you know, it's comfort in, dump out, comfort yeah. in, dump out. And I just thought, oh, amazing. Oh, and I love the idea of it as well, because if you're in an outer, outer circle, you know, you can still provide comfort, but, yeah. you know, you might actually be comforting the person that's caring for the person. So Absolutely. that's still then something to think about. Like, well, I can't actually help directly Bryony right now because I'm not, close enough to her or connected and I but maybe I could you know support her mum or yeah. drop meals around or you know so it's about just thinking about the whole support network absolutely yeah. so when you think about Bryony pre-20 December 2017 who was she then and who have you uncovered now having been through your experience 
Yeah, it's interesting, Lynn, in that I write at the end of the book, people always say, you know, how has this experience changed you? And I say it's changed me a lot and it's also not changed me much at all in terms of I think ultimately it's about bringing you like a major shock or life wake up call like this kind of for me has been a process of coming back home to sort of who I really am, you know, and I think in the distractions and busyness of of life and jobs and, you know, different relationships that we might be in, we can kind of sometimes lose track of that a bit or we go off the path. And ultimately when everything blows up and you've got to come back and reassess, what do I want to do with my time on earth? Who am I? What are the things that really matter to me? Like those things are sort of already in your being. Mm, yeah. You already know what those things are, but it brings you back in alignment. And that's what I have found. Uh, you know, growing up, I was absolutely passionate about the environment and about climate change and doing my bit to contribute to that. And I think going through this experience, I've, I've seen a lot of parallels in, the, I suppose, in the way we treat our bodies and the way we're looking after our planet. You know, we have this very extractive, uh, you know, get as much bang for our buck. Let's just yeah. deplete until there's a crisis mode, uh, you know, and that, that sort of reflected in the micro and the macro and, you know, also the interconnection I've thought a lot about between human health and environmental health, you know, and we're, you know, I, I was thinking about it the other day, you know, how you always hear people go, oh, well, everything gives you cancer these days. And I'm like, yeah, but that's something we should then lean into, not just go, not just accept that, mm -hmm. you know, one in two Australians at some point in their life will experience cancer. And yes, we're living in longer and longer, but what kind of health and environmental factors are contributing to that? I don't think we should just put our hands up in surrender and go, oh, well, everything gives you cancer these days. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we really need to be looking at how we're living and and the kinds of, you know, industries uh, that are creating really dangerous health conditions for us in terms of chemicals and our food systems. You know, everything is sort of out of whack and balance. And I hope that ultimately, you know, as a society, we will find a way back on track. You know, it's yeah. something that our there's so much wisdom in the Indigenous cultures of the world that it had this imbalance beautifully for, mm. you know, tens of thousands of years that we sort of, in our arrogance, uh, think that we're so much higher and mightier than nature. So that's, you know, a, a bit of a, a major theme that's sort of come through for me. And I think, you know, to the average person that can feel overwhelming uh, when we look at the world and the way things are going, particularly in terms of the environment, but the more I read, the more I think actually a lot of things are going in a good direction, but we need everyone's voice just chiming in in whatever way that you can and walk, working towards moving to a more sustainable, beautiful planet that, you know, it's actually a nicer place for us all to live in as well. Yeah, I love um, that. So what I'm hearing is this journey from before before the diagnosis to now has been the rediscovery of yourself, that the permission to allow yourself to to lean into who you are, remind yourself where the joy is, where the connection is, but the alignment, not just yourself in your body, but the environment around you and how does the environment around you support and sustain your well-being. Mm. And I think it's true because there is so much that we just accept as, oh, that's just the way of the world now, but it doesn't have to be. And we all, you know, escape to the country, to more rural areas for that peace and that stillness, go out to the bush and have those moments of calm. So there is a great powerful energy with being with Mother Nature. 
But if we are destroying it through the way we're living and, and raping and pillaging our environment rather than sowing the seeds and watering them, you know, I loved your little apple seed analogy in the book as well, that we have to tend to ourselves and our environment and we have to have patience. But when you're thinking about patience, we'd created this environment because we don't have the patience. Everything's got to be now. You know, we want everything right away rather than actually recognizing there's a season there's a season for planting there's a season for watering and reaping then your rewards and and then the decay that comes with that but how do we create that cycle within the way we're operating our lives and and who we're who we're being so when you're thinking about the message that you wanted with with that in mind and knowing where your passions have been reignited and and how you've given yourself permission to be be in your heart what are your aspirations for the book and then beyond the book to, to say, well, where, where do you want to be able to make the impact? And how do you see that uh, unfolding based on the insights you might have now? I feel like I'm in a fabulous coaching session at this point. You're amazing. <laughs> you articulated that all back so beautifully to me. Uh, well, you know, these are all great questions. And I think a big part of coming out of this experience is is that patient piece that you said and that actually I don't need to have all the answers today and that this will evolve and unfold so long as I'm doing things that feel like they are in alignment and I've I've had to get a lot better at saying no to things Mm -hmm. that feel off that track, which is something, you know, I'm constantly uh, refining and it's not simple necessarily. You know, I've definitely had moments where I've said no to things and felt physically ill after because I've said no to an opportunity. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately everything that you say yes to, you're saying no to something else anyway. And, uh, you know, working for, for example, for me, you know, I, I do a lot of work in production and content and I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of purpose-led organisations mm-hmm. and startups that are out there you know, doing wonderful things to change the world. Um, A company like Amber Electric, who I've been working with, who are on a mission to, you know, revolutionise the way we get power in this country and drive renewable energy. Um, And some of the campaigning groups like the Climate Council and Get Up and these wonderful groups, you know, that are doing such great work. And that's the sort of work I want to lend my skill set to. So that's it on a, you know, in a production sense in terms of shifting the focus of what I've been working on. Um, But then also from a writing sense, I mean, it's been so beautiful to put this book out into the world. It's been such a such a cathartic and really uplifting experience for me to have turned something that was really challenging and difficult into something that's been really helpful for a lot of other people. And, you know, everything from having people reach out that are literally sitting in the chemo chair right now, sending me a photo saying, oh, this book has helped me so much this week, right through to, you know, a young mum in Melbourne the other day who's in lockdown with her three children just said, my mental health and my anxiety has been suffering so much and this book has helped me so much in these last few weeks. I mean, that has been amazing. And so, yeah, for me, I'm still working out how do I bring the micro and the macro together, you know, and I think that's probably where my next book will will lead to. It'll be something in the space of how do we live a good life but still, you know, think about these bigger issues but not let them overwhelm us, consume us and riddle us with anxiety because, Actually, if we have millions and millions of people living well that are not in survival mode, that are happy and feeling good, then they've got the energy to think about the bigger picture and contribute. So, yeah, like it's still evolving for me, but I I just love 
speaking with people, connecting with people. Um, I've started doing a bunch of talks and uh, speaking with a whole lot of organisations and, and with their staff. And, and I just find that incredibly rewarding, yeah. just being able to connect with a whole heap of new people that I wouldn't get to talk to otherwise. Oh, absolutely. And just being able to to use your voice to give voice to others, you know, the opportunity to, to create a meaningful impact by creating an opening for, for others to be able to share their good work. And I think when you said earlier that it can be overwhelming, like the magnitude of what we're trying to change in, in the world and how quickly can that happen or how can I as an individual make that difference on my own? But starting small, that, that sense of what you're saying is that everyone's got a contribution to make. And imagine if millions and billions of us are just taking that one step today to raise our own awareness, whether that's around our mental health, our well-being, the, the acceptance of the our state, but then to also recognize our voice matters, our alignment and our energy to ourselves and, and our world around us matters. What could we do? I, I, I started, I've been really rubbish, but I did start a 30-day uh, challenge that one of my good friends who runs a business called My Curated Life, it's all about decluttering and just to be able to clean your energy, clean your space around you by being conscious about well, what what am I hoarding? What stuff am I keeping? And even just in that process, it's been a beautiful journey to go, oh, I hadn't realized that I can get someone to take my, my clothes um, that may or may not be good enough for charity. Because previously I'm like, oh, if they're not good enough for charity, where, where might they go? Um, and this company called Up Apparel that you can use to collect your items and then they sort them and then if they're not good enough they shred the the fabric and make make cushions fillers and all of this stuff so it's nothing goes offshore nothing gets put in the ground it's all how can we still leverage what we've got and create something that makes a makes a contribution and a difference and even just the small things like oh plastic bags I'm like oh I'm not really I don't use plastic bags anymore because I've got my recyclable shoppers but that sense of like oh am I am I making the most of all of my plastic waste am I sorting it effectively to then create an environment that can do something better with it and just this one 30-day challenge has opened my world up to go god just being that little bit more conscious starting small but saying okay well I feel like I can make a small difference to the environment by just taking more care and I think I think you know what you give voice to is people to give permission to say okay I'm going to start small and then how can you give voice to larger organizations that can help um, communicate the offerings that they have to, to make that meaningful difference yeah, how fantastic. Oh, I'll have to look into that. And because I love that idea, like you said, you're going through that process. And in that process, though, as well, it's also making you probably more mindful about what you consume and then what you're going to buy and bring back into that space because you've really put this energy into thoughtfully curating and clearing. And, you know, and we know, like, I was listening to a really interesting podcast on this the other day. Like, if you're just one little person, is there actually a point in doing anything? But one of the key takeouts was, well, actually, it's not so much about your individual action, but the ripples that that can create. And so it's like, you know, you by you doing that and you've got a community that might then, you know, follow on and do that, your mm -hmm. children, your, you know, your network, maybe your school group. And it was actually so their takeaway was like, actually, if you bring people along with you, then, yes, it's absolutely 
valid and worthwhile. And you just never know. You know, I heard a really interesting thing come back to me the other day. Um, a friend said, oh, you know, I, I, I never have let you know, but I've, you know, I started using a keep cup uh, last year. And it was actually because I saw someone else using a keep cup. But then I found out since that they were using it because you always use it. And, you you know, like, and so it was really interesting because I always, you know, sometimes with something like that, you see billions of keep cup, you know, plastic disposable cups. And you think, oh, does it even make a difference? But I, I had no idea of this chain reaction that had been created through this action that I'd done. So yeah. you just don't know where it ends. And I think, you know, that's the whole point, isn't it? We don't actually know what it's going to take to change the world. It's not linear. It's not clear cut. But imagine millions of actions from millions of people in communities everywhere. Like that is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I love that because keep cups were so big when COVID hit and suddenly it went backwards a little bit. But I just hope that that does come back and again, that opportunity. But I like what you said there about the ripple effect because the ripple effect of your journey is no doubt touch so many people as, as you've talked about with the feedback that you get from from your book and your your videos and, and your content if you were to think about the the one ripple that you want to start next what what would that be oh it's once again a fabulous question I mean look to bring it back to something really local and specific in Australia it would be you know we've probably got an election looming in the next six months mm. and so it would actually just be an encouragement um, for people, like for particularly for young people to get enrolled to vote that aren't and um, for people just to be paying a bit more attention to who actually is your local member and what do they stand for and because I think we can become quite disillusioned with politics but it's the best system that we've got and it is our chance, you know, every three uh, to four years to actually you know, on a ballot paper, say what we think. And so I, I really am very anti when people say, oh, it doesn't matter anyway and all the parties are as bad as each other. I think, you know, it is your chance to, and if that even looks like supporting an independent, someone that's not aligned with the big party, whatever it is, but just I think if we're all a bit more engaged in actually who's running our country, what direction we want it to go in on a local level. I think that's, you know, something that will probably be my focus for the next couple of months, yeah. um, particularly that piece around young people being enrolled to vote because that is actually, you know, hugely powerful when it comes to elections. Like often it can be the young people that decide which way an election goes. So, you know, I think for young people that are feeling disillusioned, it's one of the most powerful actions they can take. Mm. Uh, and... Yeah, and so that would be something probably on a on a more national sort of scale. And then, you know, I suppose, you know, in alignment with the book and everything that I wrote about in that, I think it's been lovely connecting with so many people that have been touched by it. And I think, you know, the title of the book really sums up so much what I wanted to say to people is that, you know, life is tough from time to time. Like I think life's actually wonderful and beautiful and amazing, but we, you know, as you know, Glenn, we all have those really tough times that will sort of knock knock our socks off. Yeah. Um, and the message of that book being that, but you've got this, you know, you've actually got what it takes. You've got it, you know, this is a little guidebook to put you back on track and to remind you when you've forgotten how amazing and strong and powerful you are, but you can do this. And life is, you know, I, I liked this analogy the other day. I was thinking about it, you know, because people that are in lockdown and just doing it so tough. And then it just feels like one thing after the next. I mean, earthquakes in Melbourne and all the things that are going on. But, you know, I like to see life now more like an ocean with waves, you know, and the waves are always going to always going to be coming and some will be big, yeah. 
big and some will be little. And so knowing that if that's the case and that the uncertainty and the change is always going to be there, how can you literally glide over those waves and keep going and, and have a sense of, like you said at the beginning, that surrender to all yeah. the things that are outside of our control and to just, you know, enjoy it regardless. Absolutely. And I think there's so many connection points to what you said there is about the surrender, the acceptance, the, the recognition that life being like the ocean is going to flow. You know, there's going to be moments where it's wild and it's going to be crashing or there's going to be moments where it's calm and just kissing the shore. And it's like, oh, yeah, like I get that. But it's all connected. We need it. it. The contrast allows us to see what we don't want so we can be better equipped to choose what we do want. And that discomfort drives change. So, you know, that, the sense of if I don't want this experience, then it gives me permission or the opportunity to, to decide what I, what I do want. And I remember one of the quotes that I've written down from your book, um, linking to just the, the challenges that we, we might face and, and, and where when we're seeking support or what we might think about the fact that, oh, I'm doing it tough right now, was just the, the lovely quote around, don't try and fix me, just sit in the rubble with me and listen and hold my hand. And I just read that and thought, sometimes it is just that stillness of kind of going, yeah, the ocean might be crashing around me or there might be an earthquake and there's rubble around me. But in the moment, it's just that connection with someone else to be able to speak your truth, share your voice, be heard, be seen, and in the best way someone can offer you the opportunity to feel understood, right? And I just think what you've created, Bryony, is just a movement, and I'm excited to see how your journey is going to evolve because the book's beautiful, and if anyone hasn't bought it, I highly recommend that they, oh. that they do. But just to even follow the journey, because I think if you're using your voice as you are now for, for a movement towards good, the getting people out voting, to be able to give each other the permission to go, yeah, my voice counts and I don't know where it's gonna lead, but perhaps my one small action might inspire a ripple effect in someone else. And that is enough for me to just say, yes, I matter and I count and I can do this. Oh, I love it. Oh, oh I could thank all you, day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need you to like relay back what I say all the time and then make it sound way better. That was, <laughs> this has been lovely. <laughs> Um, but, you know, and I think the other thing to add to that is to do it with joy and fun as well. Like this yeah. stuff is actually exciting, you know, and I think sometimes we think about changing the world and, you know, being environmentally friendly and all these oh, things, like it feels hard and heavy. And yet, you know, you think about something like an electric car, like guaranteed, you know, at most people's next car is going to be electric. That's the way the world is moving. That excites me. They're better. They're cleaner. You know, we, we have 800 Australians die every year from uh, breathing in, you know, diesel and smoke wow. and coal particulate. Like it's something we're not talking about. Like mm -hmm. millions and millions of people died globally last year because of that. When we have a future where we're all zipping around in these great little, you know, fancy electric cars that are silent and not polluting our airways, like that's just one example of like this is an exciting future we're stepping yeah. into. It doesn't, it's not doom and gloom. It's actually, you know, it's going to be exciting to see what happens. And I think a bit more of that joy in the conversation as well is really important. Yeah, I think it's probably the way to get engaged with the, the, the community and the young uh, coming through now because it doesn't have exactly that. It doesn't have to be heavy 
And I love that because it is more energizing to go, oh, I want to be part of a future that does look miraculous, is magical and is one that I want to be part of. So why not absolutely lean into that conversation and see where we can start to help now? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> and, Thank and, you, you know, much. and the other exciting thing about that is, as we meet beautiful people along the way. It's actually the connections you make when you're on on purpose and on alignment and yeah. doing what brings you to life. You meet the best people in your life, you yeah. know, doing that. Oh, absolutely. One last question then, Bryony, before we wrap up. What guidance would you say to someone if you were thinking about what Unstoppable meant to you? What would you share? Do you know, I think for me now, having come through this experience, Glenn, you realise how much energy we spend wondering, worrying about what people think and what are they judging us and, oh, you know, like even on a small scale, I never used to wear bright lipstick because I was like, oh, it's a bit out there. And now when I started going chemo, I was like, screw it. This makes me feel good. I love it. I'll go on a bushwalk. I'll wear lipstick. I don't care. Like it makes me feel good. I'm not worrying about people going, oh, she's a bit girly. She's a bit this. She's a bit that. And it's just that thing for me. I feel through this experience in many ways, I feel very empowered to go, you know, life is short. We get one shot at this. Are you doing what you care about? Are you on purpose, on alignment? And, you know, like you've just got to live the life you want to live and be bold in it. And, you know, I, I, whenever I'm having a moment where I'm feeling a little uncertain or a bit shy or a bit embarrassed or oh, what are they going to think, I literally I put my shoulders back and I hold my head up high and I think, this is nothing. This is literally nothing to worry about in the scheme of life. Just do the thing, you know, because you regret that more. <laughs> so you regret more it. not doing it than, you know, because you're so worried about what people think. Just So just true. Yeah. yeah, so true. And it's just part of that richness, isn't it, to have fun, to be able to do you, be you, you know, for you. Because I think ultimately we do, we do miss out on this one precious life. We don't give ourselves the chance to to really experience it and break a few rules and <laughs> not care so much. Exactly. And particularly for women, I think we can be such rule followers and we're such good girls and women are just freaking amazing. We're so good. But, you know, I think we could take a leaf out of some of the blokes' books sometimes and go, you know, just care less and and yeah. live the life that you want to live, you know, oh. uh, and, and, and have the energy around you want to live and, and do what you want. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Oh, Bryony, thank you so very much for your time today. I know how much this has meant to me and my audience I'm absolutely positive will get an immense amount of value from our conversation today thank you and I look forward to checking in with you again soon. thank you Glenn I've really loved spending this time with you it's been really a beautiful uh, beautiful hour and a beautiful experience so thank you oh you're most welcome speak soon speak soon <laughs> thanks so much for listening to the unstoppable woman podcast the path to the future you want leads from your heart If you got value from this podcast, please leave a review and share it with another woman who you know would benefit from it too. We need more women claiming their seats at the table. Until next time, live your truth and be unstoppable.